Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself, Yourself the, the Wire. Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you so much once again for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. The Wire, a show about uh, changing lanes four seasons in and going, fuck it. We're doing something new. That's what it's a show about. Um, I'm, you know, it's also about it's not uh, that new. It's you know, it's sim- It's related things. Well, I mean, you know, it's pretty new, pretty different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, first, I just want to say uh, thank you for joining us uh, for the uh, season premiere of Pod Yourself the Wire. Uh, I hope the wait wasn't too long. Uh, and if you felt like it was, remember Patreon.com/slash/broadcast. You can listen to us every week that's, talking that's about stuff. That's where we're stuff. at. That's where we're at. And, Find you know. Us. I'll do all the bonus content. Yes. You'll love we'll, it. We'll do anything for you to give us just a little bit of money because uh, we both got kids and fucking <laughs> shit's bad. Shit's bad in these streets. These goddamn Bidenomics. You know. Yeah, we need to get those interest rates back down. People will want to invest in us. All the VCs. Yeah, it's I VC. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very weird how much uh, the Fed seems to play no role in my life other than um, occasionally you just get laid off for no reason. You're like, yeah, I, I assume it has to do with the Fed. Yeah. Oh, That's... economic realities. Oh, all right. Dang. Da- oh, Dang shit. It. OK, yeah, I get it. Fire me. Do it for the good of all. <laughs> Yeah. Think of the shareholders. Think of them. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to um, a wonderful listener. Uh, Jasper Chan, your wonderful wife. uh, Oh, fuck. How do I pronounce this? Maria Mutsamil. Uh, We were supposed to give a shout out at the end of last season uh, and uh, we just gave it to Jasper. Um, But, uh, you know, I just want to say sorry about that. And thank you for 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 listening. And we love you. Also, Dennis Cornell. uh, He's the one who makes all of our little video shorts. Uh, He's got a band called Apex of Devastation. They're a metal band and they have a new album coming out September 22nd. So please buy that album. Isn't that right, Vince? Yeah, absolutely. I love albums. Albums are great, and it's metal. If you like metal, you'll love Apex of Devastation. Okay, today we are talking about, from season four of The Wire, episode one, Boys of Summer, and our guest today is a fantastic NHL reporter. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, Pete Blackburn. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Yeah, thanks for coming on, Pete. Of course. Yeah, is uh, is the fact that this is not a show about hockey does that make it less interesting to you? Uh, no. There's uh, especially like 
I'm a big pop culture guy. The Wire rocks. And uh, this is the first time that I've gotten to see my boy Vince's sweet, sweet face. Uh, (laughs) And we used to work together years ago. So this is a a nice little opportunity to kind of speak to the man. Yeah, you you... got out right on time. I stayed too long. You uh... definitely stayed too long. Are you guys talking about (laughs) Adult Friend Finder? Yes. (laughs) Is that where you worked? (laughs) Initially, then we went to Grindr. And then you went mm-hmm. to Grinder. Yes. Ooh, I, I will love say, it. On topic with the wire, Vince mm. has the like the most cop ass face that I've ever seen from mm. a non cop. I was going to ask how disappointed you were in my face. <laughs> the mustache is great, oh, but that's you. probably what leans to the cop thing. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you have wears... my build and a mustache. You're just going to get cop no matter what you do. The worst is when you wear aviators, and I'm like, you're just trying to look like a cop now. Mm. You know, it's like you can't wear sunglasses with that face and expect people to sell you drugs, for instance. Well, I like to speed and I'm hoping one day it'll, you know, get me out of a ticket. Like we could just. <laughs> He'll just look over and you'll something. go, oh, yeah. never mind, officer. Yeah. He's cool. He just won't walks even up ask. to the window and immediately pivots and just walks, walks away back to his cruiser. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or okay. Yeah, cruiser. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It could be either. Um, speaking of faces, Pete. Um, have you ever seen the actor known as Matt Damon? I have. Have you heard this is going? Have you heard that uh, you may look a little bit like Matty Damon? Every like basically every day of my life since I was like fifth grade. I was in like fifth grade shop one time and my shop teacher was like, huh? Also, it wasn't fifth. (laughs) It wasn't fifth grade because that's way too young to have people handling I was going to say fifth grade shop. Holy <laughs> shit. You know, but my shop teacher in like seventh grade, I'll say, was like, hmm, I know what you look like. And I think that he said Ben Affleck, but he meant Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. an idiot. What a fucking um, moron. So that was the first time I got it. And then since then, it's just been nonstop. It's nice to look well, you're like wearing a, a shirt hot that says Boston on it. That's it's true. Like you're, it's like you're, you're, to... you're leaning into it. Here, so. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But I just, I mean, listen, as someone who's gotten Daniel Stern his entire life, <laughs> it's nice to have Matt Damon. Just enjoy it. All right. It's a little like uh, Adam Driver, maybe. I get that too, which okay. I, I like that a lot because Adam Driver became such like a sex symbol. So all of a sudden people were like, oh, maybe he fucks. It's that just was a, a shame time. that people don't remember what John Steinbeck looks like because you could get that one all the time. I could get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think in general, like the baseline is Totoro. People will just be like, hey, John Totoro. And I'm like, that's not nice. Um <laughs> But let's talk about the That's wire. Not nice to John Tadaro. It's not. Yeah, mostly not nice to him. You know, it's like uh, he's a very beautiful man. I'm the ugly one. Uh, so the wire season four. Uh, Pete, do you like the wire? I uh, I love the wire. Who Sick. doesn't love the wire? I mean, idiots, morons, cops, pigs. <laughs> twelve. Fuck twelve. Um, so uh, what, who's your favorite character on the wire? Uh, uh, Ziggy for sure. No, um, uh, <laughs> I will say Chris Partlow is probably my favorite just cause like he loves killing people, but like it just does it in the sweetest way possible. Yeah. He seems He's like nice. a sweetheart. He seems yeah. like the kind of guy that you would want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. If I, right. if, if I were recruiting, um, murderers, uh, I would be, he would be at the top of my list because he just seems like someone who's like, uh, like, I don't want to fucking, you know, traumatize someone. 
I, I don't want someone who's like going home and thinking about it. I want a guy who's just like, you know, clocking into the office, just, you know, it's a living as he puts a bullet in someone's head and pours lime all over their body. He's he's uh, he's a professional. And I, I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Like if I was interviewing him to to kill somebody, I'd be like, I think you're overqualified, but you seem like a really nice guy. Yeah. And I don't want to get killed. So I'm going to give you the job. Yes. Yeah. He leaves work at work, you know? I like that. I like someone who understands that, like, you know, there's a home, work, life separation, you know? You got to have that balance, work-life balance. Work-life balance is so important, and I feel like he does a great job with that. I mean, I don't know what his home life is like. I assume it's weird, but, uh, you know. (laughs) What, what, he seems I, what, like he lives yeah. in a very Spartan apartment. Like you know mm-hmm. how Stringer Bell had a water feature and that really a water sort of, feature, water a few feature, katanas, a lot of, sam- a lot of samurai shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see Chris Partlow having that kind of apartment. I'm seeing more. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's a mattress on the floor guy. No, because I think he's a little. But it, it looks. I feel like it looks like a hotel room. Like, like yeah, I was gonna like those, say those memes that are like men think it's okay to live like this and, yeah. <laughs> and see no problem with it. Yeah. I feel like that could be a Chris Partlow apartment. Yeah, he, I think his would be neater than that, but but with <clears> the <throat> same level of uh, decoration. You know, there's yes. no he's not gonna have word art. No, on the but he does have like a Thomas Kincaid esque painting of a landscape. You know, <laughs> where you're just like, well, okay, yeah, yeah, this like you could see that nice in mountain. a Motel Six right art yeah yeah exactly um he's got uh like a decorative rooster in the kitchen but that's kind of it um you know the rest is like very utilitarian you know he's yeah. got his pots and his pans and stuff he's got the rooster because he's you know to let people know hey sometimes i like to take a load off too you know <laughs> i pre- i appreciate art is that what is that what roosters mean to you <laughs> i'm not sure what roosters mean in the kitchen I, it just uh... seems to be part of it I do have a, a confession. I have a decorative rooster in my house. Wow. Is it in the kitchen? Uh, no, it's in, um, it's in the dining room. Okay. Which is it's, a weird place to have a decorative rooster. It's an offshoot of the it's, kitchen. It's I get related. it. Yeah, yeah. food related. Uh, I don't know why the, the chicken is uh, the go-to kitchen decoration, um, but because it eggs, says probably. food, it eggs, says, yeah. yeah, food it's responsible for so many different types of foods. That's true, poultry in general. Um, but yeah, Chris Chris Partlow is he's he's up there for me. Um, I I am realizing that uh, one of the big things I'm going to be looking for during this rewatch of this season is if I liked Chris Partlow, if I like Chris Partlow as much as I did. Uh, the first time around, because I remember the first time around being like, damn, this this character is like badass. And now rewatching it, there's part of me that's it's giving me Brother Mazone a little bit where uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not okay. saying like he's not cartoony. No, but what I'm saying is that I really loved Brother Mazone the first time around. And then upon rewatch, I was like, this character is kind of out of place. And uh, I don't think Chris is out of place. He might not be. He might not be. But I was getting the vibe of that a little bit. And mostly just because uh, he's next to Snoop, who is so authentic. But that's that why it makes him look a little like bit less authentic. Two different types of authentic. Like, True. like Snoop is very like 
like born and bred in the streets, like embraces the streets. Mm -hmm. And Chris is like, sees the streets as a business. Yeah. And it approaches it in that way. He seems... I, yeah, I feel like he's kind of the opposite of Brother Muzone because okay. Brother Muzone feels to me like there were some white writers and they were like, okay, so you know how there's like three types of black people, right? Uh, <laughs> and this is one of them. Like, I, Chris doesn't feel that way to me. Like, he feels like he is more the product of some more like real world experience sure. i don't know if that's true or if if or if i just you know if it just feels that way but uh i don't know it reads more natural to me than L brother muzone did listen i i agree with you and as far as also just maybe just like that actor a lot more I oh really he's a like great actor. actor yeah, yeah. I also, no, he, I, I, I tie chris a lot into like the way that i feel about bodhi and bodhi's like one mm. of my favorite characters too where it's sure. like like they they approach it from like a very like cutthroat, but like kind of like from like a business standpoint, like mm -hmm. they embrace kind of like the way things need to be done. Yes. And there's like a lot of the times it's like not not a lot of hard feelings, mm -hmm. but like it, it is what it is. The game's the game. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's uh, Chris's like emotionless uh, kind of way of carrying on that is initially when i watched it like so disturbing that upon rewatch i'm worried that i'm gonna see it less as disturbing and more as just like uh, uh an acting choice but who knows you know what i'm not even gonna criticize it yet because so far i still love chris partlow i love i think he's a very handsome man yeah and i love like we that said every the, the time someone of, go the ahead root of all good acting is uh having a nice face that you want to be friends with yeah there's a there's a whole show about that. I just started watching that show Blackbird on mm, on don't, on Apple. Don't finish it. It's not good. I, I'm having trouble watching it now because the premise so far is like, what if a guy was so hot he could make friends with anybody? That's the whole the the, the premise of the show is uh, a prisoner has to go to another prison to make friends with a serial killer so he will tell him the location of a dead body, and they treat him like you know uh any michael bay movie where he's the best of the best but what he's the best at is like being being friends with guys yeah he's be <laughs> being, being so hot that he's yeah. good at being friends with guys yeah. and i'm I like mean, that's a weird i might premise. check this out this guy seems awesome he's really hot <laughs> I like I, it's that guy uh tarragon or whatever his name is taron edgerton uh, who i've said yeah, is it's just oh. the, the chav tom holland yeah uh, like if you look at him it's like the same face but one of his like Oh you, oh, you like football, yeah? Oh, you what, mate? <laughs> you uh, what, mate? Oh, you want to do a head bite on each other? Oh, is you, is you having a go? Oh, you, you want to do punchy-wunchy? I don't know how, how else they talk. <laughs> just just don't finish the show. It's got a great, it's got great acting. I uh, love that. I love I that, like little, that little Ray round Liotta man. has released, has had more posthumous releases than Tupac at this point. I know. Ray um, Liotta's in everything. He's in everything. He was he's a got busy like, guy. He's got eight he post-credit. Dude, he he I think he also died from overwork because like he he when he died, he was in like another country filming another thing. And I was like, how can he how many different movies and TV shows are going to end with R.I.P. Ray Liotta? It's really smart if he knew he was going to die. I mean, <laughs> you can't blame a guy for catching his second wind after he yeah. started Chantix. Like, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It works. I just want to warn you. Great setup. Does. Great acting. Don't finish the show because you'll get to the end. I watched the last episode last night and I was like, that's uh, that's it. That's that's what the show. OK. 
right. I mean, I I really like the little round guy. The little round guy who's in um what's Paul his Walter name? Hauser. Yeah, yeah, he's in uh, uh, the Karate That's the funniest kid show. way to describe Paul Walter Hauser, but it's accurate. <laughs> he's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. he's, he's awesome. so good. I love that yeah. guy. I love him. He's so good, and he's such a little round guy. And I feel like he's <laughs> does this voice that if it were, if it were any, anybody else, you'd be like, that is too much of a choice that you. Just uh, yes, made here. exactly. But because it's him, I'm like, I actually do believe he's killed women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, but this is not a show. About, there is a tie-in though. That's a sh- that's a uh, is it? Uh, Lahane, um, what's his Dennis name? Dennis Lahane. Dennis yeah. Lahane. Yeah, he wrote. He's written for the Wire. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this Always is not a, a, a show about uh, that little round man from the Karate Kid TV show. No, this is a show about the Wire, and we cannot start the podcast without first playing the season four theme song. When you Pod. Podcast. Podcast. School children. Season four. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, once again, we are talking about from season four of The Wire, episode one, Boys of Summer. Uh, This episode premiered September 10th, 2006. Vince, can you please break us off a little piece of that synopsis? Are you still doing the thing where you don't write synopses? I'm done. I'm done. I have too much other things. Now you have to just make them up off the top of your head. All right. The school kids are fighting with the Terrace Boys. That's right. The Wire is still up on Marlo's gang, and Presbo is settling into his new life as a teacher. That's that's exactly right. Those yeah. are some things that happen. Uh, Those are some you. things that happen. Can I just say, since this is the first episode of season four, usually the first episode's the only time I don't skip the uh, opening credits. You know, I just uh, got to see it once. True. By far the worst uh, of oh, the theme yes. songs. What? Yeah, the worst of the terrible. Really? My, my first two notes were like, it's one of my favorite cold opens, probably my favorite cold open of the entire mm. oh, series. Yeah. Easily. In the hardware store. And then immediately followed by the fucking most disappointing <laughs> intro song. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are crazy. For some reason, I, I mean, really like the, the kids of, bop version of it. It's kind of, it's, it's the type of cover where the person doing the cover knows that you've heard this song yeah a million times and they're like True. you know we're just gonna do our version and have fun with it yeah and you're like all right well you didn't need to have that much fun with it maybe like just like yeah it's dial back too- the jazz solos a little <laughs> yeah. bit i mean i guess the keep them in the hole down in the down in i don't know i like it i think i don't it, mind I, the, the vocals are the, the least objectionable part to me oh but. i for some reason you know it, it it might be like a um got yourself a gun alabama three situation where i associate the song sure. with season four of the wire and therefore yeah. i'm like i fucking love that song um but uh yeah you know hey to each their own. Um, personally, my least favorite was season three. Uh, Aaron Neville and his brother doing that version. No, I, I didn't, I didn't like it. They were playing percussions in the, in the caves and the underground. They were banging on the sewer walls, and I liked that. Yeah, about it. And it also has that voice. Ha, ha, 
You know the. He <laughs> 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 does that thing. Me, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- that's is that Aaron Neville? Isn't it? No, I don't think so. It could be. I never I thought pre- about that. I think that. it is. If it's not, I'm gonna feel bad. Oh, now I have to I look mean, it up. It does. It bums me out that uh, Tom Waits is was was season tied two. two <laughs> yeah. So it it bums me out that like I'm I I stand. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like two gets worse like a worse rap than it deserves. Yep. But, That's exactly right. But I it bums me out that Tom like Tom Waits didn't get more of like a like a real opportunity to be tied with like one of the better seasons of the wire. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, you're you don't always get right. what you want. That's that's just how it goes. It's not Aaron Neville, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. Is it, sounds, it, is, it feels like he's doing an Aaron Neville impression in that. Is song, this Shaken Stevens? Or what? do I have do I have the wrong guy? Yeah, no, you. I don't know. What oh you're no, yeah, about. that's a completely different. You drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, Vince, what happened at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is we cannot evaluate art divorced from its cultural context we got to put some of that context back in uh, with the help of a little something that we like to call the back in the day machine it's a bad time for newspapers the news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline there ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale son yeah yeah that's the back in the day machine uh we're going all the way back today to september 10th 2006 never forget Never, almost forget. Mm-hmm. Almost Five never forget. To the day, uh, some of the things that were going on this week. Uh, <clears> this <throat> was the week that Crocodile Steve Irwin died. Uh, oh no! The Crocodile Hunter. The yeah. the Hunter became the hunted. The Hunter became the hunted. He took a uh, he took a stingray spine to the heart. Freak accident. And he's too late. He yeah. gave Stingrays a bad name. Someone should do that song. <laughs> why, why, why so, does that, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, shot through the heart. Oh, okay. Oh, I get it. That's, yeah, not, bad. Joke. That's not bad. No, it's not, not bad. good, but it's... <laughs> right. uh, what I'm amazed is that happened while they were filming the show and no one's ever seen the footage. Like, yeah, apparently that's it's how like you know he was Grizzly nice Man. to the people that he worked yeah, with. Yeah, that's True. how you know people respected that guy. They weren't yeah. like, oh yeah, check out this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Grizzly man apparently like they looked at the footage and they were like you know <laughs> i think Werner herzog was there and he said i must delete this footage of a stingray killing the most beloved crocodile hunter yeah um i got a couple uh competing uh opinion pieces about Steve Irwin. this one comes competing. from the what are yeah, the, the two opinions? Well, one, one is comes sad, from... one is it rules <laughs> by Stingray Weekly. <laughs> this one is by Kevin Hagerty from the Wilkesbury Citizen. Uh, headline, Steve Irwin, Crocodile Hunter, helped us face our fears. Oh, that's, uh-huh. so, that's yeah. The Crocodile Hunter died the other day. I never realized it before, but this man who wrestled with alligators, chased snakes, and crept up on lions. He didn't wrestle alligators. Those only live in America. And crept up on lions was important to me. When I heard the news that Steve Irwin was tragically killed by a stingray this week, my mind began to wander. Here was this guy who brought the mysteries of nature right into our living rooms, and now he is gone. Left behind are the world's people who maybe aren't so brave, but who vicariously live through the moments and escapades of man and beast. 
I enjoyed seeing him picking up snakes, feeding reptiles at close range, and wondered if I could ever do the same. What? That's what you got from it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I could do that. Why would you want? It's fun to watch a guy do that. All right. Um, um, The other take comes from uh, our friends of the New York Post, Phil Mushnick. Okay. Um, Headline, animal producers culpable in death. Uh, And, oh, sorry. Animal producers? Yeah, no. animal so other animals. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. God. Uh, yeah. uh, if God, exa- explain yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm skipping down a little bit, but if, for example, Irwin had been internationally known as the live hand grenade juggler, what would we have made of his death as a result of an exploding wow. hand grenade? Wow. Irwin Fuck. was a professional daredevil, and he died a daredevil's death. Death. And while we'd all presumably want to be fondly remembered, this past Monday, as word was delivered of Irwin's end, his life's work and mission were described in, term, described in terms that simply didn't come close to what we could watch several times a week over several years on Animal Planet. Mm. Uh, Irwin's educational value was predicated upon the obvious. Crocodiles are dangerous, followed by what not to do. You can stir them from their natural habitat and get them to chase you with their jaws wide open for the cameras if you smack them hard on the snoot. Is does he think that Steve Irwin was killed by a crocodile? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it's written like someone who was like, "All right, well, it was probably a crocodile. I'm not going to do any research or anything." I know the crocs pre-wrote it. He was just waiting to hit publish. And yeah, just... <laughs> it's like, "All right, well, I'm still putting it out there." He was also the stingray hunter by proxy, so yeah. Wait, is uh, his whole his whole thing is uh Steve Irwin um deserved it because we all watched it like it was NASCAR. That's what it sounds like. Kinda. It was kind of like the the he did this for television and television pushed him to do this dumb stuff that eventually killed him, I think is the point. Yeah, it sounds like a real like what else did you expect to happen? Yeah. <laughs> except except like, for he know, wasn't wrestling the fucking <laughs> stingray. He just jumped in the water and happened to fucking land on a stingray that happened to have his little poker out uh i that's um uh, and it happened to go through his heart i think which yeah, uh went through his heart mm-hmm. yeah rare rare accident Re- honestly very um, rare and finally uh we got some prescient news remember this is 2006, 2006. this is coming from the new york times headline mortgage gamblers uh, a new federal reserve report shows as you would expect that speculation in housing has been growing the number of mortgage loans for purchases reached a new record last year, and so did the percentage of them for non-owner-occupied homes. In most cases, those are second or third homes for vacation or weekends, but some are for pure speculation. The figures show that 17.3% of purchase loans went for such properties, a figure that is double the total as recently as 2001, and that 2001 figure was a record at the time. Some of this is the baby boom aging and buying second homes as their kids leave home. And in some cases, as their parents die and leave them the money to buy another home. Mm. But it is probably not those buyers taking on the most risk. The data also shows a big increase in the percentage of homes being bought at relatively high interest rates. This one is my favorite part. The Fed says some of that relates to the shape of the yield curve, but the data also shows a surge in piggyback loans where buyers take out a conventional mortgage and then pay the down payment on it with a higher rate piggy bank, piggyback loan. What Virtually f- all piggyback loans are not gar- government guaranteed, <laughs> and the Fed reports notes that in many cases, l- lenders, lenders waive mortgage insurance because of the higher rates they are getting. Uh, 
Yeah, that sounds safe and good. I think it's <laughs> it'll work out fine. You know, I don't think as you need any protections. Who, as somebody who just watched The Big Short for the first time this week, uh, bad stuff is going to happen uh, in 2006 in the housing market. Oh you no! Here first. Oh no! <laughs> you know what's Shit. annoying to the, about this to me is like <clears throat> it, it 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 describes all of this behavior as like consu- like personal consumer choice, right? And it's like how many how much of this was actually people speculating and how mm-hmm. much of it was like you know private equity people and uh and shell companies buying up all this shit like was also, this all driven by individual buyers i kind of doubt that yeah i sure completely doubt was. that and also uh the fact that like so like wasn't wasn't the housing crisis not it wasn't just like oh there are people doing you know speculation uh on no, the no, market they made financial instruments out of all yes, those mortgages exactly yeah they yeah. made they made a bunch of like packaged fucking I mean, things and he just watched the big short yep. yeah yeah explain it like you're a, a hot girl in a bath yeah that's right i don't know I'm, i still <laughs> i still didn't really get it i just yeah i know after I a while those adam mckay movies just talk at you and you're like <laughs> yeah all right all right <laughs> It's like, all right, move on. I get it. You're smart. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain made a stew and, yeah. and it was said tasty some, said it some cool stuff. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what all, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, none of that means the downturn in home prices that seems to be starting will bring economic disaster. None of that means anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's does indicate the system may be less prepared for big problems than it would have been a few years ago. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll keep tabs on it, you guys, uh, and uh, we'll find out later if anything bad happens, maybe yeah. during season five. Yeah. Um, and that's been the back-in-the-day machine. Okay, uh, that is the back-in-the-day machine. That is what's happening. Now we are prepared. Uh, this week's Balmer B story is based on the fact that... Uh, it is the season with uh, all my favorite boys. They're all best friends. And so here is the Balmer B story. So no one told you that your boss would be Bodie. Your job is selling coke. Your father is we It's like you're always being compared to him. When all you want to do is play with Randy and Mike and catch the pigeons, but I'll be there for you to take on the terrorist boys. I'll be there for you. Find your key ice cream cone. I'll be there for you. Getting up is for me. Hey, go with niggas watching, yo. This balloon. <laughs> Piss balloons. All right. Some of your best work once again. Yeah, you know, keeping it short and sweet. Uh, okay, let's that get into perfect it. perfect because the song is theme song length, and that's, you know, it's kind that of is, ideal. Yeah, that's what we all want, uh, except for me. I would like to do, I, I almost was like, am I going to do the full version of the Rembrandts? I'll be there for you. <laughs> and then I was like, no one wants it. I don't even want it. Um, so you all lucked out on that one. Uh, okay. Uh, season four, let's talk about it. Uh, I'm sorry, I gotta digress. I'm curious. Like, please. do you think the Rembrandts are making residuals for I'll Be There for You, or do you think that the show just bought it? Because if they, if they gave that up for a flat fee, think of how much money they left on the table. 
there'd be a suicide. You'd hear about a suicide for sure. Like one of the Rembrandts would be dead and you'd know why. Cause that's like, you know, that's like the Victoria's secret guy who killed himself. You know, he sold I, Victoria's secret, jumped off the Bay bridge or whatever. Yeah. I remember reading something that like the Rembrandts hate that song because, <laughs> uh, it was commissioned by the show, which makes me think that they were, it was done for a flat fee. And yeah. they made them stick it at the end of one of their albums. Oh, and that it just sucks. did not fit in with like the concept of that album. It was just like 12 songs of like dark shit. And then I'll be there for you at the very end. And I was like, that's the best fucking story ever. I the, love uh, that. I love the, that. The only hint at, at that on the Wikipedia page, uh, the duo has been dismissive of the song. Phil Solom in 1995 said, we don't want to hang our hats on the theme from a TV show. We've been working too long at our craft for that. That same year, the duo tried to apologize for the song on MTV News' The Year in Rock. So, so Gen X, by the way, this like, <laughs> yeah. th th this generation would not at all apologize for it. It would be branded, t-shirts, fucking everyone would be like, they would, every subsequent album would be called the the guys who did the friends song you know yeah. that they just would they would milk it but you know i i think both uh smash mouth and sugar ray like learned from this example cuz yes. both of those bands were like punk bands that had like a surprise pop hit and uh rather than like being embarrassed about the hit they were just like i guess that's the kind of music we play now we're just gonna pivot to doing money's songs like that money's pretty sick isn't yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah. money's good yeah uh, you know i don't who why do art if i make enough money i could buy art <laughs> which is that's true that's a classic man. uh that's um classic adam levine maroon five thing that's right he made that's a couple right. good albums songs yeah. about jane Unbelievable! I, and then, a really good I refuse album. to believe he made any it's, good it, It's that, that's a really good one. Oh God. It, I mean, listen, it's got some songs that obviously you know uh, are a little girly, but as someone who's a little girly, I enjoyed that's it. Right? I just you know what I feel bad for is Nelly Furtado because mm -hmm. I feel like she did you know she did I I am like a bird you know and mm -hmm. then immediately was like all right time to hook up with Timbaland and do. Uh, you know, do the most anti fucking art in the world, and uh, you know, I don't remember never what beat she her. did after that. She did, uh, what is it, promiscuous man girl? Is she a man eater, I, think she did she, I don't know. If she did that, man was, uh, that was that was Hollywood. heart. Yeah, that's correct, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, season four of The Wire. Um, first, I will say, uh, you know, not to just talk about this episode, but talk about the season in general. Um, this is the best season of The Wire and possibly the best season of television ever. Um, and I got to say, in terms of an opening episode, um, it it lives up to that. Uh, yeah. This even this episode, cold, like, is said, even wonder. the cold open lives up to that. Even the cold open is the best cold open of not just the show, but of any show ever that has ever had a cold open. Um, yeah. It is fucking fantastic. Uh, and uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to play it so that uh you know we can all get that feeling back of that cold open. I uh, see so you got the Walt cordless. Yeah, the trouble is you leave it in the trunk for a while, need to step up and use the bitch. The battery don't hold up, you know? Yeah. Cordless will do that. You might want to consider the powder actuated tool. The Hilti DX460MX or the Simpson PTP. These two are my Cadillacs. 
Are you contracting or just doing some work around the house? No, we work all over. Full time? No, we had about five jobs last month. At that rate, the cost of the powder-actuated guns justifies itself. You say powder? Powder. Like gunpowder. The DX460 is fully automatic with a 27 caliber charge. Wood, concrete, steel to steel, she'll throw a fastener into anything. And for my money, she handles recoil better than the Simpson or the P3500. Now, you understand what I mean by recoil? Yeah, the kit back. I wish. That's right. 27 caliber, huh? Yeah, not large ballistically, but for driving nails, it's enough. Any more than that, you'd add to the recoil. Man, shit, I seen a tiny-ass 22 round nose drop a nigga plenty of days, man. <laughs> Motherfuckers get up, man, you like a pinball, whip your ass up. Big joints, though, big joints, man, just break a bone, just say, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm gonna go with this right here, man. How much I owe you? 669 plus tax. No, no, you, you just pay at the register. No, man, you go ahead and handle that for me, man. And keep the rest for your time. This is $800. So what, man? You earned that bump like a motherfucker, man. Keep that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a perfect opening scene. Like, you get to, you get introduced to Snoop, like, in the world. Seeing Snoop outside of her context is my favorite snoop you know what i mean and you don't get to see it that much but and then you know you've got of course them buying this uh very important power tool which will be used uh, throughout the next two seasons to uh close up a bunch of vacant houses uh in which they use as mausoleums yeah it's uh it's fucking great yeah and I feel like as a TV writer, I feel like you're always striving for like the perfect button to a scene mm -hmm. and you know, you can't always have it. Not every scene's going to have like the perfect way to sum it up, but you earn that buck like a motherfucker, man. Like yeah. you, you, you don't get a button better than that. Like yeah. you know where the scene's going, uh, sort of, you know, but then like watching it get there is still just as exciting as yeah. uh, you know when you're first introduced to it. Yeah, I mean I the 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 idea of seeing these characters like interact with a normal real world <laughs> is so funny cuz like so you watch a show and you just get completely like engulfed in their world but yes. then you then like a scene like this reminds you of, like there is there is an outside world. There are two different ways to live this life. Yeah. And sometimes you you intersect and right. just I mean, where where else are you gonna get that power tool? You gotta go to the hardware yeah. barn. <laughs> and like the the abandonment of societal norms by somebody who lives outside of that world, just be like, nah, man, you you fucking do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit that everybody has to go to the register. I'm not doing that. Here's eight hundred dollars and walking right. straight out of the store. Yeah, that is keep, the best. Keep I also the feel change. Like this is a bit of a nostalgic time capsule because I want to see you try to go into a hardware store now and get that kind of personal attention <laughs> and no knowledge about the uh, the products. Like, there's, it's not going to happen. There's like no in way. 2006, that guy probably only worked in the power tools department. Yeah, and knew yeah. everything about the power power tools. Now you walk in, you'll get a guy from like 
from fucking like sinks and yeah. he'll be like i don't fucking know Google he's gonna it. read you the <laughs> amazon product description at best <laughs> yeah, right. To like, yeah uh, right he's, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna google it speaking of which i i did actually google the hilti dx 460 mx and uh, i found it on amazon and here's some top reviews five stars if you want to shoot nails this here's the Cadillac. <laughs> uh, and then highly recommended on The Wire. Five stars. <laughs> uh, it's so great that everyone just was like, well, I got to get that power tool. He did such yeah. a good job of selling it that people went and like bought it. like to see it. the charts to see the, the sales on that mm-hmm. thing. You know, how much does it go for now? How, uh, how has inflation affected that bitch? Uh, well, right now <laughs> it seems to be, um, I think an out of uh i don't know out of print they they don't manufacture this particular Ooh. model anymore so mm. this one is being sold for two thousand dollars so i'm surprised it's really the sob of, of yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah yeah an fj cruiser like it's sought mm-hmm. after they don't make it anymore yeah a lot of imitator i'm actually surprised like based on how amazon works now that there aren't like a thousand unrelated products that just gave it that name based on the uh, search value of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, shit. I don't even know. So far the, the, this seller has a very low rating. So I assume wow. that they find different TV hardware tools and, and try to uh, try to sell them based on like people's love of whatever TV show. Um, uh, five stars, the Cadillac. The man said, if you want to shoot nails, this here's the Cadillac. He meant Lexus, but he ain't know it. Uh, <laughs> just another line that I find fantastic in it yeah. is like uh, that that phrase being out of date for uh, for everyone else except this guy. And they're like, no, Lexus is the good car. Cadillac. What the fuck are you talking about? You mean <laughs> old gas guzzling and unwieldy? Uh, yeah, pretty fucking great cold open and it really, really gets the show started. Uh, let's, let's, uh, Vince, what is your main takeaway? Did you like this episode? I mean, as we said, this is a show about cool guys that you want to hang out with. Absolutely. Um, I think that's first and foremost, (laughs) first and foremost, um, I feel like that's really defined in the scene where, uh, where Carver, just is is hanging out busting balls with all the street guys because it's my just like ah i'm hanging out with my friends again yes um which is again that's what the wire is about but maybe just like in a larger sense i think uh that the theme of this episode and uh, you know presumably the theme of the season it's going to tease is that like the people that are in charge of systems uh are not being promoted based on their understanding of those systems. And so uh-huh. you have uh, most organizations being led by people have no, who have no idea what the realities on the ground are. And that right. leads to all of the dysfunction. And you sort of see that in the cross cutting between the con- police consultant trying to tell the cops what, how to do their job. And then the, uh, the school consultant trying to like tell yes. the teachers to use uh, like loving language when they're getting toasters <laughs> yes. thrown at their heads. I, and I've, I've got a, a clip of the teachers. Raising in communicating with your students. This applies not only to the questions you ask or their comprehension of the lesson, oh. but how they perceive you as an educator. And where does that begin? Out loud and enthusiastically. I A L a C. Let's Everyone. go once again. I, I am 
What are we telling ourselves? I am lovable and capable. The fact that teachers have to put up with that shit on top of teaching makes me (laughs) want to kill an administrator (laughs) you know what i mean like it's it's this and you see the same thing with the cops where they're being you know led a powerpoint by like feds who are just like terrorists could strike at any time and uh you know they could they could do a chemical strike in the middle of the market and you're just like no they're not this is we're always we're always fighting the last war as they say so yeah no i uh i really like I, this season does such a good job of, um, presenting teaching and like what it's actually like to be in a school, not just in terms of like, man, kids are misbehaving, but in terms of just like that rundown feeling of being in a place that is, you know, it's got a hundred years of grime. Mm-hmm. And it just like it's dilapidated, it's falling apart, and you're you're surrounded by uh like hobby lobby uh affirmations for children <laughs> yeah. and you're you're just like uh, am I supposed to not want to die being doing this every day? <laughs> like that feeling is not something you don't see that in other shows about teachers. You don't feel the dilapidatedness of a city school the way you do in this. No, they have this. like fun break rooms and like yes. lunch in between classes seems like a real, a real hoot. Yeah. This one, like if I saw Chris Parlow walking down the hallway, I'd be like, thank fucking God. Yes. Just take me away. <laughs> Walk yeah. me down an alley, please. Yeah, make it clean. Make it yeah. clean. <laughs> Pour I don't lime over clean, my corpse. Just make it quick. Make it yeah. quick. I don't want them to find me either. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, it is. It's pretty wonderful. Um, Yeah. I will so, say for, for me, like I, I haven't been doing the full rewatch here. Mm-hmm. So like dropping in helicoptering in on season four episode one is a real like kind of culture shock from what i remember about most of these characters sure like you you've got like mcnulty being like the happy-go-lucky cop who's like so so content with his life and you're like Mm -hmm. who the fuck is this guy yeah what what happened (laughs) yeah and like prez walks into the school looking like like he just like like he's had his balls chopped off and like yeah. now he's just gets another chance to live. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's like a really really sort of jarring drop in here. Yeah, I think yeah I th- I think this season is doing a lot of the same things that season two was doing, but I think they learned from season two. Like mm. season two was a huge shock. You know, you go from hanging out with all your cool friends on the detail. And in the streets, and now you got to meet all these new guys named like Ziggy and and Horse, and you're like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. This episode, I don't, I think it holds your hand a little bit more because yeah, sure. you have the you have the scene where Carver gets all the gang back together, and that's sort of like you know making us feel good. Mm-hmm. High five for continuing to watch this show. Yeah, uh, but it does drop us into this whole new world, and um. I guess maybe because the characters aren't as much of, like I said, when we're talking about season two, like Ziggy's a unicorn and he's also the obnoxious guy, which is kind of a hard 
hybrid to accept uh, as a viewer because he's not like anyone that you know and he's does things that are very infuriating uh whereas like this and he uh, has like a 14 inch penis yeah that too i mean that i like (laughs) that that's great i wish all characters in tv shows had the horn part of the unicorn yeah yeah (laughs) 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 yeah no but this uh this episode I, i don't think there's any like I guess Snoop, you could say, is sort of a a unicorn, but sure. uh, she's not infuriating. She's enjoyable. Like she, you want to keep watching her because she's like, she's competent and she's cool and she seems fun to talk to. Right. Um, she's not obnoxious. I mean, that was the thing with like Ziggy that people I think didn't like was that he was obnoxious and like you know act- actively like on purpose. Yes, he was deliberately yeah. written to be obnoxious and have everyone around them be like, I fucking hate this guy. We said it when yeah. we were talking about Vito's goth son when we were talking about Pod Yourself a Gun. She <laughs> yeah. like Ziggy's sort of like the middle school kid who gets ostracized, but then mm-hmm. uh, but then decides to be extra obnoxious just so that he can make it right. feel he, like being negative attention with his is attention. Choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, so he can make it feel like, oh yeah, no, I did this on purpose. I, oh I, sure, yeah, I'm yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. the black lipstick because you I'm guys different. Are the ones who don't get it? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a question. Did, mm. did Carcetti get introduced before this episode, or is it the first yes. time that we see him? No, he's been he, around since season two. Really? Okay. Right. I think since season three. Season three okay. is the first time you meet Carcetti, and he's just a city councilman. Uh, and then by the end of season three, uh, he, you know, is clear. He's he has a plot to uh, run for mayor and make his best friend on the council, Tony Gray, also run to split the black vote. So like we've seen him before, um, but this is the first time you see him. Um, uh, he's being. Kind of cunty, I guess. I don't right. know. He's, he's like, one he's of the yelling best written characters in that I think they knew where they wanted this character to go mm-hmm. from the very beginning, but yes. they never, they just let it play out over like two full seasons, basically. Yeah. Uh, so like, if you go rewatch, like you can you can see the seeds of where Carcetti's going to go. But I don't necessarily think that they were just making this up as they went along. I feel like him running for mayor and becoming, you know, the uh, face of like neoliberal uh fecklessness was part of the plan all along yeah no i i think it it it, it was too um and you know oh hey is that brent flyberg our producer yeah speaking of the face of neoliberal fecklessness (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's me uh no i'm just interrupting to because it was going to bother me if i didn't tell you that drives me crazy was by fine young cannibals that's yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I knew that but for some Aaron. reason. I thought Aaron Neville collaborated with them. I don't know. It why sounds like that. it could be Aaron Neville for sure. He's kind of Possibly. doing an Aaron Neville impression. Yeah. Uh, but it's probably also time to take a quick ad break. Uh, yeah, probably. So, yeah, that's a good idea. All <laughs> right, let's do it. Let's make a little bit of money for our families. So stick around and we will be right back. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here. Have you seen Chuck Norris lately? Not like around, you know, the block or whatnot. I'm not saying have you seen, run into him at your local grocery store. I'm saying, have you seen what his body looks like? He is still kicking butt and staying active well into his 80s. And what's even more shocking is he somehow looks more jacked than ever. 
and seems to have more energy than guys half his age. And it's all thanks to Morning Kick, a revolutionary new daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike other green drinks out there, this one actually tastes like strawberry lemonade and has hundreds of five-star reviews. Since I started drinking Morning Kick, and yes, I have started drinking it. Why? Because they sent me some. And honestly, I've never felt better. My digestion is smoother. My body looks leaner. And I have energy all day. I just, I feel younger, even though I I am a young man. I feel even younger, bro. Like, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm someone who is obsessed with gut health, all right? You know, I, I I drink kombucha. I like a I like a probiotic drink. I do all sorts of things to make sure that my gut is healthy. And I'll tell you, this is actually great for your gut, and it actually tastes good, which is not something you can say about kombucha. Let's be honest. And another thing I loved about it: easy to prepare. I love that it's just something you just mix with water and stir. I didn't have to like you know learn to make a culture from a scoby or whatever. Like I just had to. Buy some Morning Kick, mix it with water, stir it, drink it down. And it tasted great. So if you want something that tastes good, makes your digestion feel smoother, and make your body look leaner and give you more energy, try Morning Kick. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash pod yourself for up to 44% off your regular priced order. Plus, every purchase is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, a boost of energy, and just an overall healthier body, then go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash pod yourself today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back. All right. So to stick with the schools and the, you know, verisimilitude, because I've talked about this before, but this show, I think what one of the things that really makes it stand out from everything else is uh, the verisimilitude and and how much you uh, it's weird to have a show be this good and feel this real at the same time. And uh, one of the ways they do that is by casting a lot of Baltimore locals. And I think uh, it is time for our section about uh, the wonderful and terrifying accent that is the Baltimore accent. Uh, it's time for Balmerism. Baltimore accents, say this phrase out loud. Earn, earn, and earn, earn. Aaron, earn, and iron, earn. Damn, what the fuck? We really talk like that? Yo, earn, 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 earn. Balmerism. All right. Uh, this episode has uh, a few different Baltimore accents uh, in it that we can choose from. Uh, you've got there's a cop who talks to, uh, you know, Carchetti at the end, who's got a thick one. Obviously, the real Jay Landsman is in this. He's got his weird accent. But the best, the standout, 
the standout of the episode is the uh, I think she's a vice principal, yes. uh, Marsha Donnelly, um, played by a woman named uh, Tootsie Duvall, um, who is an actress, but is also a Baltimore local because there's no fucking way she wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> yeah, and her, yeah, her oh. name is Tootsie. So she's playing Marsha Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Her acting name is Tootsie Duval. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, apparently, was born Susan Steinweidel. So just like all of the best, she took all of the names. She's like, <laughs> it's like Thomas Pynchon heard this and was just like scribbling in his notebook immediately. You know. Yeah, and it is like I think as David Roth who described it as uh, this accent as bone chilling. Is that right? Uh, this is. I mean, this is the top of the top. This is an accent. You, you listen. It is English, but I'm I'm not sure how many of these words. It's almost like the Baltimore accent is like let's occasionally just fuck up a word for fun. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I of course have a clip of uh, the wonderful accents in this episode. I guess him ten times when I was acting commander. Uh-oh. For us, yeah. Don't I know you? Do me a favor and take it down the road. And Bowles, I knew she wasn't coming back the way they tore up her classroom. <laughs> so we're sure two in math and four in science. Science! Man <laughs> no system ID, but says he's new here. Well, buzz him in before something changes his mind. <laughs> I mean, fuck. <laughs> real, fuck. Ap- real April Margera energy to that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, damn it, bam. <laughs> there's clearly like a black Baltimore accent and a white Baltimore accent. Oh, yeah. And you can, and you know, there's, they're, they're both fascinating, but man, that thick white one, it really just, whew. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's a, it's another level, man. I mean, just like, I think we have, uh, may have cracked the code if you it's yeah, you a gotta, cocaine you gotta do a cocaine jaw and try it's to like you gotta make a piece of chow in your mouth yeah yeah so you go down the road and uh, like... we're in the school with the school road you gotta make sure you get the road imagine living a full life with that inner monologue sounding like that just it would I, just, I don't I can't do it I need it's this voice cra- out of my head it's crazy that Baltimore is like theoretically part of the north because that accent really just sounds like someone is in west virginia and like there's banjos and they got a giant plug it seems of like a conspiracy like they all got together and said we're gonna do it different everyone yeah. else has got a whole thing we're doing our own thing remember tuesday you gotta do it like that all right remember uh, everything is rude Frodo in the road how do they say it just frodo feels, it just i want to hear like- a baltimore guy say frodo Frodo, 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 Frodo. I feel like th- when the English were colonizing America, like they sent like the officers into like Boston and New York, and then they had, you know, they had some sort of like salty gold prospector, and was like, "Here, you take Baltimore," and that was how like the accent <laughs> came about. Like, All right, had, we're like, looking for gold in New York. <laughs> he had like one eye and two fingers and a peg leg. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's incredible. And then just like kind of watching, you know, the um, the interaction in the school is great between uh, Presbaluski and Marsha Donnelly, uh, you know, because she is, you know, uh, there's obviously there's a teacher shortage and, you know, they're talking about all the ones who are quitting and shit. Um, and uh, then they uh, they luck out when they find 
uh, Prez because Prez is also an ex-cop. Because I ain't even going to try to pronounce it. Roland Prez Belusky? Everyone just calls me Prez. <laughs> well, no, with us. I'm principal here. New in math. I won't have my certificate until next year. But with the resident teachers program, they said I'd be getting classes because of staff shortages. Jesus, lambs to the slaughter here. What did you do before you decided to teach Mr. Presbolewski? I was a police in the city. <laughs> Marsha Donnelly, assistant principal. Welcome to Edward Tillman Middle. Uh, you're hired. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My dad was uh, a public uh, high school teacher. And um, I think it took about five or six years for him to get the hang of it. And by get the hang of it, I mean, he started wearing a shirt, a, a sweater he had made that just said LAPD on it. Uh, he would wear it <laughs> every it day. He couldn't yes. find that? <laughs> no, he couldn't find He got it made because I... I, is, I you can tell this is pre-9-11. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He got an LAPD sweater printed. And he wore it to school every day. And I'd be like, Dad, why are you wearing a fucking LAPD shirt? And he'd be like, oh, you know, the kids respect me if I wear it. And I'm like, God damn it. That is, that is <laughs> I not. I do like that the adults are like, like, cop, absolutely welcome to the squad. And if they had just looked at his file, I know. they would have seen that he poked a kid's eye out like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and killed a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if that would really turn him off, but no, uh, they'd be like, Oh, good. The, no, they were like, you've probably been shot at or something close to it. This is yeah. the perfect experience. This oh, good. This is close. normal to you. <laughs> to you. Yeah. Yeah. To you. Yeah. It's uh, it is. You've been shot at a four. <laughs> it is it is like uh you know it's real that's if uh you know an ex-cop shows up at a city school is like hey can i teach they'll be like yes please get in now um and uh yeah we get to watch over the season uh president Belusky's, uh you know kind of situate himself and become a teacher and uh i gotta say in terms of character arcs it is probably one of the best ones if not the best one uh in the series just because uh I mean, he grows so much from when you first see him blinding kids for sitting on cars and, you know, and then becoming I mean, someone like surrounded by kids. he's already had a good arc, and then they just threw this one in there like a bonus. Like, he's already had yeah. two more satisfying arcs than characters on any show normally get. It's a very Ed Burns thing. I mean, this is the Ed Burns story, except for the, like, killing a cop and, like, blinding a kid. I think uh, he didn't do that, but he did stop being a homicide detective and become a uh, teacher. Um, so I think it is a part of the story that he wanted to tell. And uh, I'm glad he did. Um, but moving on, um, let's talk about uh, the fucking, the stars of not just this episode, but of the season, the kids. You know, this season, it introduces us to the Fiat Mafia crew, uh, AKA the, uh, the kids, Naaman Bryce, who's Weebay's son. Crew. crew. Crew, uh, <clears throat> Randy Wagstaff. He's like the entrepreneurial orphan. Uh, Kennard, who's just uh, the little their little piece of shit friend. Um, Dookie, he's like pig pen basically. Yeah, um, or piggy. Uh, yeah, or piggy. Uh, and uh, Donut, who's like uh, the car guy. He's a joyrider. Uh, and of course, their leader, Michael. Um, and. Uh, we see them all get together as Naaman is uh, sitting 
uh, at his corner, um, reading a comic book while waiting to serve people uh, heroin and crack cocaine. Um, and uh, we're first introduced to him, uh, you know, like with Bodhi just talking mad shit. Uh, and I, I love like one of Bodhi's complaints about him is he, he, he wants to leave work early to um, to go catch birds, which is not a turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> like that is not an expression <laughs> yeah i don't think i get away with that one yeah. yeah i think like if you want to skip work you should make up a story yeah. as, as, to, as a cover for you trying to literally catch birds yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean you should tell that to your boss just because like maybe it uh it keeps them from asking follow-ups right you know? it's like i don't know what that means to just and i don't think i'm interested in finding out go this go, feels go. like a cultural thing and i don't want to step on that so uh you know <laughs> yeah. you do you i don't want hr to complain um yeah, yeah no uh it, it's uh he wants to leave to go uh to go catch some birds and uh a Bodhi gives him a little bit of, uh, you know, man, these kids these days, no work at the, no one wants to work anymore, Vince. No, it's this topsy, perfect topsy turvy, like shadow mm -hmm. world yeah. where Bodhi, you know, he basically acts like a manager at Kinko's or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then, you know, they, they have their own class system in the projects where like the upper class one is a guy whose dad is in jail for murder yeah uh, yeah and and i, and, I like that yeah. naaman was like i want some time off to go catch birds and then as soon as he was involved in trying to catch birds he was like you made me take off time for this yeah it's yeah like you, you literally knew exactly what you were signing up for yeah but i mean though they maybe he was like oh this is a new expression Maybe it means like maybe it's like a British way of saying like get some yeah. girls. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh but no, Naimond is uh he is not there to get some girls. He and his boys are literally trying to catch birds and uh and I have a uh clip of that. Not for this craziness. The fuck is you thinking? You know the boy Nemo who worked Marlowe's pigeon coop? Say he got four hundred for a white homer. And that's a homer? Nigga's white. Fuck is wrong with you throwing bottles and shit, huh? Are you a seriously backwards dude? You know that, right? Playing with bugs like he's stealing pamphlets. Nah, you don't want any pamphlets. Put them over that mouth you got. Catch all that shit you be flushing. Oh, God, is that? <laughs> Yo, be stinking like rat fart. Uh -oh. <laughs> all right, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Silky fight like a bitch, yo. <laughs> hey, hey, Randy, that pigeon wasn't a homer. You know, homers got the metal things around their leg. That way you can tell them from the other birds. How you know that? You know Nemo let me clean out his coop sometimes, so he be schooling me. There's something, uh that I find super incredible about the kids this season. And it's that these are the only good child actors I've ever yeah. seen. Only ones ever in my entire life. Like, you know, the fact that they were centering this entire season around kids, big red flag, I think for, for most things I'd be like, please don't do that. It's not what anyone wants. No one likes watching kids no. act, especially in a drama. Um, but they're so fucking good. Every single one of them. I'm just like impressed by how they 
how good they are. They're just our, so good. Are most of them uh, like disciples of, of Prop Joe in, uh, in his acting school in Baltimore? Yeah, yeah. I think a few of them are like Robert Chu students. Um, but uh, but I, I can't say for certain because I do refuse to uh, learn about the show. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's it's just like... There's, uh, you know, I know that the guy who plays Naaman is, um, he's not a uh, Baltimore kid. He is, uh, I think he's a New York or a Brooklyn kid. But like the kid who plays Donut is, uh, I think uh, Kennard is as well. I mean, there's just so many castings on this show of people who don't seem to have uh, like a huge acting background. I mean, you know, they're not, most times you watch a show with like kids in it, you'll be like, they did an episode of law and order at some point. Um, but a lot of these, these kids, it's not the case. And they end up, uh, kind of just carrying the whole show on their back. It's fucking great. Also, I got to give David Simon credit. Like he tends to write the first and last episodes, of mm-hmm. the season and you know like there's there there are times when his like verbal flourishes don't work but i mm-hmm. uh i feel like all of the all of the like dressed up language uh in this episode like works beautifully from you smell like rat fart mm-hmm. to, to uh just his whole his whole thing with the diaper there's so many moments of uh, yeah. Like after, sorry, I'm getting ahead of it a little bit, but mm-hmm. after fruit gets killed and they're listening to the wire and he says, uh, well, he says Lex and his nine took all the cute out of that lazy eyed motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a great line. Hard to say it believably, but they pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To the point Just where the like, asides, like, you know, when a bunk is watching Lester walk away and he's like, look at that bow legged motherfucker. Like, yeah. It's like, it's, so it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't do it authentically, it is the worst thing yes. that you could possibly put on TV. But yeah. if you execute it, it's incredible. Right. It becomes <laughs> like, classic. Yeah. It's a real risk. It's a home it is, run swing. It is. A yeah. Huge, if you want to see how this, can swing, go good, exactly. how, go, how this can go well and how this can go wrong, just watch, uh, uh, What's that Nick Pizzolatto show? Um, oh, uh, True Detective. Yeah, True Detective. Season one versus season two. It's yes. like oh he's doing gosh. the the same thing, but it's just not working like it did in the first. Like it's right. sort of comically uh, bad in the second, yeah. which yeah. is why it's, I it's unbearable. Love the second, but, like the yeah. first yeah. one is unbelievable, and the second one is unbearable. You could not have a bigger leap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of that show, I do think what it was was we all watched season one wrong a little bit. We watched the hard boiledness of Matthew McConaughey's character um, cynically, like with a little bit of like a joke behind it and going like, this is a very funny character. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of it was meant as a joke. I think you were (laughs) after seeing Nick Pizzolatto interviewed after every episode, I was like, Oh no, Oh no, this guy thinks (laughs) this is cool. There's times when you give the creator too much credit. I think I did that with Ted Lasso where I like Mm -hmm. watching the first season of Ted Lasso. I'm like, no, no, the joke is that he's annoying. Like, like he's not meant to be like uplifting. He's meant to be annoying. And all the British people hate him for being like this fucking annoying guy. And then, I don't know if that was the intention originally and then they pivoted or if it was always the intention to like right. make him like a sweet <clears throat> uplifting guy. But then you're like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> that's not why I like this. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was a home run swing um, that connected and it's like, uh, and it's wonderful. And also this, I got to say, this is probably the most competent episode of TV that they have done. Um, just like it, just in terms of this episode is like self-contained the amount of like exposition that's done without like telling, or, like just showing the interactions between the kids. When you see, uh, name and, uh, shit talking, you know, this, the, the bird catching idea, you know, as like cartoonish and stuff and um randy defending it and you see michael uh just basically telling both of them to shut up and naaman has this look on his face like okay all right he means that i'm gonna stop talking so you see that while naaman is the one who's like working the corner he's the one whose dad is a fucking famous serial killer he's uh, a nepo baby of the streets he's the nepo <laughs> baby of the streets um and he is way bigger of a pussy than Michael. He knows Michael is serious and uh, he's, you know, Naaman is all talk. That's his whole thing is bluster and puffing his chest up. Um, and Dookie is the whipping boy and, and they do it all in such a way where it's like, I don't know, I, you, you, I was just really impressed by how they communicate the dynamics, uh, the interpersonal dynamics between all the kids. And There's I especially set yeah. up here that like doesn't feel like set up. Yes. Where it's, yes. it's just like thoroughly entertaining and like having watched it before you know where it's going. But like in the moment, you're, you're not being like, all right, where the fuck are they going with this? Right. It right. It is entertaining, but <clears throat> they are planting those seeds. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because they're able to plant the seeds and be self-contained at the same time, which is not something The Wire was good at doing for the first few seasons. The first few seasons of The Wire, like half of a season would be set up and it was a lot of where are we going with this and and, you know, kind of like, oh, you need to watch it more like you're reading a novel, less like you're watching a, an episodic like anthology series or whatever. Um, and this episode and this season in general um yes it builds the way it always does but it also makes these like beautiful self-contained episodes that i uh that i just love um to talk yeah, about a good chance that you wouldn't have to tell somebody be like just stick with it it gets awesome right like, right yeah. you just this be is like just watch episode one you'll be hooked yeah watch the cold open yeah right yeah this might actually be the only season of The Wire where I could get people who have tried and failed to actually follow through. And I think they would be able to watch it and follow it without being like, wait, but who is he and why is he and what happened? Like everything is very much explained um, without, you know, overly doing the exposition. Um but uh, yeah, um, I really love Naaman and Dookie's relationship too because it's so like Naaman's such a prick. Um, but as soon as Dookie shows up, uh, having been beat up by the terrorist boys, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is the, you've crossed the line, terrorist boys." I have yeah. a clip of that. Yeah, I think. It, oh, Damn, boy, what happened to you? The terrorist boys bank me coming across the tracks over there by Ramsey Street. They can't whoop on Dookie like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I know. Only we can whip on Dookie like that. We're gonna hurt them twice as bad. <laughs> as many of them as it is us. More even. If we're gonna hurt them, we need to think on it. Do something go past beating on each other. You talking guns and shit. Nah, I ain't talking guns. What? Oh shit. 
Randy got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I fucking, uh, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. Everything about that was perfect. You've just saw the entire relationship and everyone's character all in one fucking scene. Uh, it's too good. It's too good. Randy, he's smart and he's industrious and he's going to, you know, he's, he has an idea of putting piss in balloons and, <laughs> and throwing them at the boys <laughs> as if that'll stop them. Uh, Michael is uh, immediately like, oh, you're talking about doing something violent, like murdering them. And uh, <laughs> Dookie got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, Dookie yeah. got the shit kicked out of him. And uh, and Naaman is there just being like, hey, you can't beat up my whipping boy. Only I can whip my whipping boy. It's ah, it's fucking great. Um and I, I just I, I love uh, the innocence of it, too. You know, the the kind of like they're they're at the age where they're not yet at the point. They're like right about to be, but they're not yet at the point where it's like this is we're in the game now for the rest of our lives. Yeah, like you know, they're still kids. They're still kids. They're yeah. still children. And uh, and like so you're seeing them you know, like fighting with other terrorist boys who are like, yeah, they got bats and stuff and they're a little bit more tough, maybe a little bit older and whatnot, but no one is shooting each other. It's just a scuffle. Um, and it's a pee filled scuffle that I love. I love watching. Um, and to, uh, just to wrap it up. Um, I, the piss balloon fight is just fantastic. Niggas know that boy who go by the name D's D's. Yeah. these nuts. Also, uh, just extra credit for a D's nuts joke. <laughs> Unbelievable. <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, you could ask them if they're into fitness. That would have been cool, too. <laughs> yeah, right. If they like or, Wendy's. Or, or if they have any Bofa. Yeah. You like Imagine Dragons? That band doesn't exist yet, but you like them? <laughs> Set us up. Yeah, I'm fucking saying, bitches. What you mean, bitches? Don't have a disrespect turn. <laughs> Damn, I fucking pissed myself. I mean, that is that is a fucking great. That's a great button. I pissed myself. Very good. I, I, just the worst laid plan of all time. Like it starts <laughs> off with Mike being outnumbered. Like yes. that's that's how the plan starts, is yeah. he's outnumbered. Uh and then they have like approximately twelve piss balloons for <laughs> 15 guys i yeah. think they knew it was gonna go bad but they didn't care because they knew it'd be worth it just to get to hit him with one piss balloon makes yeah Naaman's whole thing was like we're gonna hurt him twice as bad right and that right. did not even come close to <laughs> yeah maybe true. you know maybe their pride maybe their pride twice as bad i mean they're covered in piss but uh uh yeah and not all of them escape uh the uh the ass beating um uh michael gets beat up but Michael doesn't really mind because clearly Michael has been through some shit and uh, we'll find out more about that later. But I like that he he uses that guilt to get Naaman, who is, you know, he's the cruise rich kid uh, to buy everyone ice cream, including Dookie. Yeah. I also loved uh, that Randy went home covered smelling entirely like piss. And his excuse was, I hung out with Dookie. Yes. Yeah. And his foster yeah. you know mom was just goes. like, that does track. Boy does <laughs> smell does. like piss. He, he is piss a piss smelling boy. And it's nice that you're doing the charity of hanging out with Mr. Piss. My only my only like, oh, one secondhand piss. Got it. No yeah. Kidding. yeah. <laughs> my one issue with this whole sequence is like they 
I mean, they, they correctly gamed it out exactly how it would go down. That, right. You know, someone would pop a balloon, they'd get pissed on themselves, uh, they'd get beat up. Sure. The one problem I have is they have him filling up the balloon, like, straight from his dick. Like, you have bottles right there. You piss in the bottle and then pour the bottle into the... I like to believe that they figured that out later because mm. all they had was a funnel... And yeah. uh, and I remember I don't, I don't believe like, that you have the pressure in there. I was like, you you don't have the pressure again, unless no. it's a light ass balloon. And uh, a, I don't a think strong so. episode for stage fright awareness, though. Uh huh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah, I have that too. I can't I can't go when my friends are looking. Yeah, like all twelve of them outside. Yeah, no, I can't. I couldn't do it. Which is also, you know, uh, is in terms of the wire. I think that is also a statement on uh, you know youth and innocence because you mm-hmm. know. Earlier in the wire, you see people, you know, all their friends getting their dick sucked at once, hanging out. And I'm just like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I would be too embarrassed. Like, I, I don't want to suck my dick in front of my friend. Um, what if we yeah. make eye contact? Yeah. Is it gay if you watch me come? Uh <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Um, what if I see your face while I'm coming and I remember <laughs> that? Yeah, what if I only remember your face when I come? What if I can't get off without seeing your face from that point yeah. on? Do we have to get married? Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, moving on to kind of like the catalyst for the entire season, um, which is uh, this new new character, Lex, uh, who does not last long. Uh, Lex was part of Kintel's crew before Mar- Marlo like snatched up all the territory. Um, and he now works with Bodie in some off-brand hilltop corner. Um, and he's mad that Fruit is dating his baby mama, Patrice. He's so mad, in fact, that he murders Fruit uh in front of everyone um and that's bad because fruit is with uh marlo and so uh the drug talk uh you know it gets picked up on the wire so now you have like uh the police are aware of this murder uh you have marlo is aware of this murder and um and what ends up happening is uh that lex uh has to get murdered for doing a murder and uh, they they do it in a way that uh, I think, again, leads to more trouble than it was worth, um, which is Lil Kevin has Randy set a trap for him, uh, unbeknownst to Randy. And uh, I, I have a uh, a clip of that. Favorite for the rest. Go up the block and tell Lex there's a girl that want to see him at the playground behind Fort. Well, tell him Patrice said he should come to the playground after eight. I'm gonna get some pussy. I'm gonna get some pussy. Gotta go down this alley. To the scary fucking playground. Look, I'm gonna get some pussy. Da 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 some pussy. Yo, yo, Chris, I, I didn't, yeah. yo. It's good. You do like I said? Yeah. Yeah. You must have, cause the nigga went up the block. He ain't never come back now. Chris and Snoop. Pow. I feel real bad for Randy in that situation. Yeah, I feel like the little Kev uh, did him dirty. Like he told real him dirty. that his information led to a murder, but he didn't explain. Like, look, he had to die because uh, right. he shot that other guy in the face in front of a crowded bar. I feel like at that point, <clears throat> Randy could have been like, oh, "All right, well, you know." Right, sense. context yeah. is important. Yeah, yeah, he could have lived with it. Um, and and you know, he just being 
in some way tied into this, you know, for a kid that age, he's just like, you know, am I going to, am I going to go to jail for this murder? You know, that's his whole thing. It's very, um, you know, like, uh, kids that age are a lot like AJ Soprano was at that age where he thinks that like a cop can tell him we got your DNA from the PP and he's just <laughs> like, Oh no. And confesses immediately. <laughs> Um, so it's bad to involve children in your um, murder plots because yeah, the cops. For all the listeners out there. Yeah, if you I got children. We didn't spend much time with Lex, but man, what a fascinating character! <laughs> He's so great. He's so great. Just murder in front of everybody, and then also just drops a sup to Patrice right <laughs> yeah. after doing it. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Like, sup, Patrice? Like she was gonna be turned on and just go home with him after. <laughs> He murders her new boyfriend. Also, not yes. fleeing the city after that. Like you'd think he no, has some. He's at the corner the next day. The <laughs> not only not fleeing the city, but then like just taking word from strangers that like I'll meet you in a dark park <laughs> yeah. and just slowly walking towards a shadowy mystery figure. Yes. And not being like, well, this is crazy sketchy. This feels maybe like a trap. Maybe yeah. I should canvas the area first. Yeah. I love his like, oh no, this middle school kid named Randy uh, told me that a very sexy girl wants to talk to me at the abandoned playground down Death Alley near some haunted houses. Don't One worry about it. Pussy, pussy, pussy. Her new boyfriend. Nothing's <laughs> sketchy about that i don't see a connection i don't see a connection between the two it's safe yeah it is uh you know lex is uh there one are of those some guys people who, have, who like definitely know and understand the game in this show yeah. lex is not even close yeah. to anywhere understanding the game he was not he was not long for this world in general the fact that he got this far is is crazy um and you know Bodhi tries to like give him some advice you know as like he's like hey let it go uh fruit is untouchable because he's with marlo and that's just the way it is that's the way the world is and and lex uh you know he won't he won't take he's no an idealist shit. he is an idealist you know yeah. he's a and he martyrs himself <laughs> for pussy. Um, and yeah, and of course, Randy now is sitting with that grief and guilt uh, over the fact that uh, he had something to do with the murder. So we're going to see where that goes. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of like the major crimes unit, it's a big deal because we find out throughout this episode that while Marlowe has taken over everything, uh, there's no bodies. And the big question is, why? Where are the bodies? And of course, as a viewer, you're like, oh, I know where the bodies are. Yeah, yeah. These guys should uh, really just check those abandoned houses, right? <laughs> like, it seems obvious to me because I'm watching the show, maybe. But if That's I was like kind of something that I wish they didn't do, maybe, is like maybe didn't immediately give away that all the bodies are in the vacants. Yeah, yeah. It is. It would be fun to be like, where the fuck are they putting the bodies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they do a little bit of like. Um, you know, there's a scene where Marlowe he finds out that Lex is you know murdered uh fruit, and rather than you know I, his boys are telling him like let's go kill Lex and then let's go take that corner and kill all the guys there you know let's let's take their land very you know Israeli Palestinian conflict you know he's <laughs> just like well, you know let's uh, the uh, collective suffering for all of them and uh, instead he just goes like what do I want some off-brand corner for you know and uh, he rather than 
doing a murder, uh, doing a bunch of murders and starting like a little mini war or whatever. He's just like, fuck that. Let's just, we just got to kill this guy. And so it makes you think, I think when I first watched it, they're like, oh yeah, maybe he's not killing that many people. Like maybe there's not that many bodies, but uh, no, I don't know. I, I You're right in that, like you do kind of wish some mystery was there for you as a viewer. Nah, but, then I then I wouldn't have the nail gun scene. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, and, you could do the nail gun scene without without actually showing the nail gun being used. It's true. It's true. You'd, you'd, nail you'd, gun, you'd, dude. You'd, I don't know. you'd wonder why they did that. Yeah, but, but it would be like a, oh, probably putting two and two together here without actually seeing it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the wire does do the thing a lot where um, the, they don't do a lot of mystery. Um, yeah, they, I don't think we needed mystery on this one. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, no, I no, it, it it is. I, I get what he's saying too. There is part of you that's like, well, I like figuring stuff out, um, but uh, you know, this show doesn't always give it's you not those really a mystery things. show. It's not. It's <laughs> not. It's not like you know, because that's every cop uh, show and procedural is like. You get to, yeah, you get to figure out who done it along with the detectives. If you really got to pay attention in this one, it's like, I just got to learn everyone's names. <laughs> that's, that's enough to pay attention to too many fucking names. Um, yeah. Uh, and let's, uh, let's wrap it up with, uh, you know, some of the things we missed the little bits here and there. Carchetti, he running for mayor. It's not going well. He's yelling a lot. He's talking to old people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's he's feeling bad. He's got, what's his uh, his buddy's name? Um, Norman? Norman. Norman, yeah. Uh, Alan Seppenwall pointed out that uh, the guy who plays Norman, Reggie Cathy, he would have been 10 when uh, Bobby Kennedy was running for president. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Like saying the putting the Bobby Kennedy uh, thing in his in his mouth like that he was the only white man he voted for, you know. Well, maybe my favorite Carcetti moment from uh, from this this episode really like brought me back to my childhood is when he's procrastinating doing his homework and just like winking at pictures of tits on his wall. Yeah, on a yeah, poster. yeah, yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, he yeah. was just like. Mm. Don't yeah. make me do my work. Oh, I don't want to make himself calls. And he's like throwing a like a Nerf ball up and up in the air and just like looking at tits and being <laughs> ten like, points hey, if I, I hit her titty. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just want to point out how uh, prescient that the wire is. We didn't talk about the fact that last season the drugs were named WMDs. You know, obvious reference ah. around this time around. What are they called? Pandemic. Pandemic. No, yeah. that was shit. still. 14 yeah. years in the future. And season five, they're called uh, the housing crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's uh pandemic is, you know, hey, this is like the Simpsons, man. They just like fucking know things before they even going to happen. Uh, biggest outstanding question for me about this episode. Uh, we never found out whether the old folks are having Salisbury steak or tacos. It seems like if you're a good congressman, you're there to chat up those people. She asks you what they're having for lunch. You could find that out for her. I mean, it's literally the only thing you probably do have the power to do as do like a, a city councilman. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was really thrown off by the pronunciation of, of Salisbury. Salisbury. It was, like, it was Salisbury. Yeah. It's like really yeah, yeah. reading it off the, off the page. Yeah. I always feel like, first of all, is, is Salisbury a, like a place in England? Because it's got to suck. 
Yeah, that's the best they got. To that's offer. what they're named. At, like the steak that they have is just like fucking particle board steak. Like they're just famous in mushroom sauce. Yeah, yeah. Just it's mostly like salt and flour and mushrooms and just like this weird always, rubber always steak. Said that the best part about steak is the the sauce that they drown it in to make it edible. Yeah, that's my favorite. I like it when it's nice and gray and something you can eat with your gums. Hey, don't bash the gravy part. That's doing all the that's doing the heavy lifting. It is. It steak. is. Whoever invented the gravy for Salisbury steak is uh, not from Salisbury. I'll just say that. Um, yeah, no, we never find out. And, and, you know, he could have found that out. Because he does spend the rest of the episode um, talking to constituents who are like, you know, we need to clean the trash. And all these vacants are just left vacant. And uh, fucking Carcetti is like, that sucks. I can't really do nothing about it. <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah, I feel your pain. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, he's getting his poll numbers and he's found out that uh, Tony Gray not getting... Enough of a bump in the polls to split the black vote, which will rat help him become him too early. Yeah, yeah. Finding out that your rat fucking plan is failing has got to hurt the most, you know? You're just like, yeah. oh, I lost a friend and an election. Um, yeah. Uh, other things going on. Um, there's only a little bit of Herc. Herc is. Uh, got a new detail uh-huh. working security. Still doing the same jokes. Still doing the same jokes uh, and doing them better than ever. Let's be honest. Uh, and he's working security for the mayor. And uh, I, I, uh, my favorite scene is, of course, this one. Madam President. Council President's hot as balls. I fuck you to fuck her, man. Yeah? You'd fuck a guy for a chance to fuck a hot broad? You don't think that makes you a faggot or nothing? <laughs> It's just an expression, man. <laughs> he's so like, all right, okay. Uh, well, like he's see. not even good at the playground stuff. Like the guy immediately comes back with, actually, you know, overthinking this makes you the gay one. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. It's a real Uno reverse card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And his face afterwards too It's just like if no ifs ands buts about it he got played yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. played his hand way too strong yeah, yeah feels like absolute shit and uh, uh you know it's like his first day at work too i was gonna say wasn't like, that like his first day on the job yep. like what a way to make an incredible yeah. impression he starts yeah, that- off by calling his one co-worker a f- <laughs> i mean like- that's not the way to prove that you can hang that's like your first day on the job, like someone does a your mom joke to you and you say, Oh, my mom's dead. It's like, shut yeah. up, idiot. Drink yeah. the rest of your drink. We won't it's a party be talking file. to this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a loser. Yeah. Hating um, a hating a kid for being a hack is probably like you can't live down being a hack. Yeah. Uh one thing if we're doing favorite, least favorite, uh the one scene that I wanted to point to as my least favorite in this. I mean, not even really. It's not a least favorite scene, but after the whole uh, Carver meetup where he's busting balls and it's just sort of like this this acting masterclass between like mm-hmm. Carver, Lil Kev, and Bodie, uh, and then immediately like Colicchio comes in and uh, it's like the you could the, you could feel the acting talent just sort of fall off a cliff as soon as uh, Colicchio starts talking. You're like, oh man. 
this guy uh, is not hanging with the rest of this crew here. He doesn't even like say anything big either. Like it wasn't necessary. He was just like, yeah, wasn't he just like, why are we busting heads or something like no, that? No, it was like, oh, shut up, shit breath or something like oh, that. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. it was an fuck okay yourself line. with a forty, dick face or something yeah, like fuck, that. Fuck yourself with a forty, shit breath. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. which is fine, but it's like he read his lines too fast or something, and it just hmm. came off lame. It seemed like that, that right. was like 99% of the way to the finish line mm-hmm. and it didn't need to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, yes, we get it. He has a short temper and he goes off well, we already, we already know this. I was okay with it. What I think it was the part after where Carve gives the lesson. It's like, we can't beat up every knucklehead. Then who are we going to mm-hmm. talk to? And he's just like, right. Oh yeah. Right. He would like, <laughs> right. he wouldn't be like, I learned. <laughs> like, he, he's not no. Um, but I, I, in terms of favorite scene, I think that's my favorite scene as well. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play it because I just, I love, I love when everyone's friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's best when well, people actors are, are people friends. that are good looking that you want to be friends with. So the best kind of scene is when all the, the good looking people friends are friends with each other. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Hello. See? That wasn't so hard, was it? Lex, my man, how's your day going? Little Kevin, how's it hanging? Reese, you look like someone just shot your dog. You all right, man? <laughs> Reese, you still messing up the count? You hear what he said? Yo, dog. You send him up to Lamel next month, I'll make sure Miss Davis puts him in remedial math and we'll have done some good here today. <laughs> <clears throat> Mr. Entrapment, how are you doing? Don't look like that. I'm still dining out on that story. You know, he beat the wiretap a year ago? Claimed entrapment when he was clocking in Bunny Colvin's Amsterdam. Shit you not. Smart kiddo. I loved it. And they're all friends! I say, have a good evening, Mr. Broaders. And a good evening to you, Sergeant Carver. See? And a very good evening to you, Officer Caliccio. Fuck yourself with a 40 shit breath. Doesn't play. That line doesn't play. I liked it. I thought it was good enough. I mean, the line's fine. I just feel like his acting didn't play in that scene. But look. It just seemed like he had that one ready to go out of the holster. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't little, seem like that would have been. Itchy trigger would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, I love that scene because it's just, hey, remember that thing that happened when all you guys were watching, and it's like they're high fiving and they're high fiving us a little bit. That's like yeah. we're all high fiving each other for watching the show and being a part of it. And that's uh, at the end it's of the wonderful. day, The Wire is a show about cool guys hanging it's out, a cool guys who are friends and <laughs> should remain friends forever. Uh, and a show about uh, McNulty taking a season off to be normal, uh, which, you know, hey, I got to say another amazing choice for mm-hmm. season four, pivoting to being a show about school children and having your lead guy be uh just Happy. in and out of the season <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, I made steak tonight, you know, just like <laughs> come over and meet the kiddos. And you're just like. Okay, this is what he's going to do this season. All right. <laughs> Fine. I love it. Um, yeah. So if I had to give a letter grade to this uh, episode, I think, honestly, it's one of the fucking best episodes of the series. Uh, I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Yeah, best one of the best episodes of the th- series. One of the greatest, like, first episodes of any season of TV ever, which... Uh, you know, just doing the math, calculating this back of the envelope 
I'm going to call that a solid B plus. Oh, okay. All right. Shocker there. Uh, Pete, what would you give this episode if you had to give it a letter grade? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you guys are pretty spot on. I, let's make the math pretty easy here. B plus divided three ways is averages out to a B plus. Oh, all right. So it's a B plus episode of the About wire. As as you can get. Yeah. That's the solidest of B pluses. Yeah. And an A-plus episode of Pod Yourself the Wire. Pete Blackburn, thank you so much for coming on and talking about The Wire with us. Of course. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. Where, where can people uh, find you on uh, social medias and whatnot? Uh, just my name, Pete Blackburn. That's uh, Twitter. Or sorry, X. Uh, <laughs> Instagram and whatever else and everything else there is pete thank you so much uh for coming on and uh yeah come back anytime maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh you know season five with you if you want to talk about uh, the uh the way the news business is maybe going downhill a little bit i know a little thing or two about that don't i (laughs) i'm in let's do it thank you so much pete have a good one Patreon.com slash Frotcast, the $8 tier, gets you a street name shout out. Uh, Vince, this week we have four. I am slow rolling them because uh, I don't want to do too many at once because then we'll run out. Yeah, you don't want to tax my street name giving abilities. That's what I meant. They are quite high level. They're very good. Um, Okay, so the first one that we have is i'm gonna pronounce it it's maria uh mutsamil once again maria mutsamil mutsamil uh yeah we call we call maria cream of wheat well uh, okay mm-hmm. i don't know there's a lot of different i could go with metamucil okay. oh okay no 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 cream of wheat that's good no, we just all right Cream yeah. of wheat. Thank you, Maria. And thank you for listening. We love you. And we love Jasper. Uh, next is David Slusser. Slusser. The sluice. Sluicey. The sluice is loose. The sluice goose. Uh, we call this guy the prospector. Okay. <laughs> Man okay. in the sluice gate. I love it. Uh, next is Malon Dickerson. Malon. Wait. Is that real? Malon. Malon. Maybe it's Malon. Malon. Australian. Call this guy the crocodile hunter. Love it. R.I.P. And finally, uh, Mark Silverstein. Mm, Mark with a C. That feels very European. Like it should be like Mark Dash Andre or something when you spell it with a C like that. We're going to call this guy... uh, we're going to call this guy Waffles because he's he's the Belgian. Belgian Waffles. Hope hey. we got that right. All right. Uh, all right. So that is all of the street names for this week. Um, if you want yours, patreon.com slash broadcast. Sign up for that $8 tier. And hey, if that's too much for you, the $5 tier uh, and beyond will get you broadcast bonus episodes every week. Vince and I talking about other shit. So do that immediately. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. 
And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. So no one told you that your boss would be Bodie. Your job is selling coke. Your father is we pay. It's like you're always being compared to him. When all you want to do is play with Randy and Mike and catch a pigeons, but... Ready to rock, dog? Yeah. Mr. Dog? Yes, Mr. Bitch. Okay, Mr. Bitch. (laughs) Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.